Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven is part of designnetwork.org, exclusive architecture and design podcasts, reaching creative listeners worldwide. Hello and welcome to Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven. I am your host, Catherine McPhail. I am an architect practicing in eastern Massachusetts, and my specialty is additions and renovations to existing homes. I began this podcast as a way to help homeowners learn what they needed to know to start a home renovation. So I speak with other architects, contractors, vendors, experts, other homeowners about their experiences. And in this episode, I'm speaking to Eric Kruger from Deconstruction Works in Vermont, and their tagline is Recycling the Built Environment. So this is a topic I only learned about a few years ago, unbelievably, as you would guess deconstruction is the well deconstruction of a building and recycling or using the materials versus demolition which is just tearing down the building and disposing of the material eric and i talk about what deconstruction is what happens to the materials that is removed from the house what's involved with donating those materials how to get a tax deductible donation for those materials and what kinds of houses are prime candidates for deconstruction And if you're like me, by the end of this episode, you will be sold on this approach for your project. Here's my conversation with Eric. About half of the folks who contact us are homeowners finding us on the website or by word of mouth. And the other half are architect or contractor driven. And the contractor driven ones are usually contractors who've worked with us before um, or working with clients who are ecologically minded. And we work equally well with both. What we find is that um, consideration has to be given to schedule and sequencing so that there's additional time in the schedule to perform either um, a quicker version called a soft strip um, or a full deconstruction. So can you tell me what, a little bit about what each of those is? A soft strip sounds a little less thorough. So a soft strip is a non-structural salvage of a building uh, that would include flooring, um, cabinets, built-ins, windows, doors, fixtures, um, appliances, uh, HVAC equipment, um, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, And a full deconstruction or a partial deconstruction would, uh, depending on what the objectives are of the builder, if... If an addition is being built on the house, then a portion of the house could be removed either in the, um, you know, on one end of the house or, or a roof could be taken off before a second floor is added. Uh, there are some forms of uh, building demolition that lends themselves well to deconstruction because the objective is to save a portion of the house mm. in the project. Okay. And then what do you think the resistance is? It's because it takes longer? Schedule. Yeah. Um, to a lesser extent, cost, and also just contractors' familiarity with the process that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, this is people are buying these for a teardown, and they are going to be on the same footprint, and they're trying to get concrete in the ground before October, and they say, why should I give up two weeks, let alone a month and a half, to add no value to the project? Mm. Well, so what would your answer be to that? <laughs> why should they... I would say in a properly architect-driven process that this time can be added to the project schedule at the beginning and the expectations can be set and uh, the homeowner's priorities of reuse 
uh, can be prioritized. We've also seen quite a bit of success in retaining items for use on the rebuild, but that also requires a certain mindset of mm. contractor. Yeah, a lot of contractors are not not into that idea. I've noticed. Well, they can't they they can't mark it up, mm. and they can't, they can't guarantee it the way they can guarantee new product. It's lost any warranty. Um, and it's not familiar to them. I mean, the biggest part about any of these new concepts is that they've got to have a success, a win under their belt before they're ready to embrace it. Mm. The eastern part of the state doesn't have a lot of contractors who do the kind of work that we do in Western Mass in Vermont. That's very true. That is true. Even if you wanted to schedule this to happen, then you're looking at availability issues, which is a, is a showstopper from a contractor's perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, now that people are way out in their in their schedules, maybe they could work that in a little bit better. I mean, that might be another argument for doing it now versus two years ago. Sure. Well, especially in a project where there's selective demo for a rebuild. So it's more of a gut rehab than a full takedown. Getting getting a crew to come in and do salvage is actually like hiring a regular demo sub, except instead of using sledgehammers, the boxes are going to be put in the garage and donated to charity. Mm. Yeah. And do you feel like given the material costs these days, is it getting more, are you more in demand than you were? Well, I will say that the products that we salvage are certainly more in demand and the, and the price points are, are very helpful for the reuse market. One thing we haven't brought up yet is that a lot of folks make the math work on a project by choosing to donate the materials to a nonprofit charity. And that what, what that allows them to do is to take a charitable donation right off on the value of the materials. And based on the scope and size of the project, that can be tens of thousands of dollars. Mm. So they're, they're paying our fees as a deconstructionist and they're paying a small fee to an appraisal company, but they're getting a, a charitable donation write-off that exceeds their standard deduction on a typical tax year. So if people knew all about that, you think that might, be, that might make it more attractive to homeowners because they can, they can do something that's good for the environment by keeping all of the materials out of the waste stream. Other people can use their materials. And they don't really have to pay that much more. It just takes a little longer. Yeah, it, it really comes when you add in the charitable donation, it really just comes down to schedule. Uh, for example, the project we recently did at Concord, I uh, believe that the uh, client paid us in the in the in round numbers, they paid us $10,000 to strip out the interior of their house. And they realized a charitable donation value approximately $50,000. Mm. And they, they added three weeks to the schedule. Wow. I didn't realize it was that much more. So that's oh, even better. It, it, it's significant. I mean, this was a house that had mahogany decks. It had uh, porch columns. It had hardwood flooring throughout. It had Anderson 400 series windows. It had interior French doors. It was fully applianced, hmm. uh, fully kitchened. And um, the cost of these materials is not insignificant. And therefore, their charitable donation value as well. Were they just taking the whole house down? This was a um, a teardown rebuild. Mm. I honestly, I don't really like those very much. Between you and me, <laughs> I just it makes me sad to take down houses. But well, we do have we do have clients. A, a lot of clients are come to us with guilt. They, uh, you know, they found an architect they want to work with. They're they're moving towards a net zero 
situation. Unfortunately, oftentimes they're moving towards more square feet instead of less square feet, but they don't feel good about wrecking what they either spent good money for or have lived in for a number of years. And uh, while we can't convince them not to do it, we can be grateful that they're taking this embodied energy and turning it into jobs and uh, an opportunity for folks who have less means to either repair their homes or upgrade their homes. Yeah, no, definitely. Are there people like you across the country or is this? Buildreuse.org is our national trade association and membership includes Habitat for Humanity chapters. It includes for-profit architectural salvage firms. It includes um, nonprofits and a wide range of folks in academia as well as uh, in retail and in deconstruction. And the website at buildreuse.org is a good resource for finding deconstruction firms in your region. That's great. So is any house a good candidate for deconstruction or do you find the antiques more useful or is there are there some houses that you wouldn't think was worth the money doing? As a deconstructionist looking at a house, what I'm really looking at is the number of layers that the house has. Um, the number of layers to get past to what I'm interested in. So a hardwood floor is a very easy item to salvage because it's it's present, it's on the top layer. Mm. But if you're looking at a lumber package of an old home and it's plaster and lath, you've got the plaster and the lath to get through. And if somebody were to, for example, put vinyl siding over clapboards, over skip sheathing, and you've got more and more layers to deal with. So for people on a short time frame that are looking for the highest value, we generally move them towards this soft strip approach. But older buildings and outbuildings, the lumber package is a significant portion of the embodied energy and the value of the project. Where do the materials end up? So if we're working with a nonprofit organization, then they usually end up in the nonprofit's lumber yard. Uh, occasionally, they'll be uh, sold on consignment by ourselves with the financial proceeds benefiting the charity. Uh, and if we're doing site sales on behalf of the charity, we find that in general, it's homeowners and conscientious contractors that are reusing the material. In Massachusetts, we have more code issues than we do in Vermont and New Hampshire. And there are code issues for grading of lumber for structural use in single mm -hmm. family. Um, we have found some local jurisdictions willing to accept previously stamped lumber. I don't know if that's <laughs> if that's, I think there's some discretion at the local level mm. about lumber being reused, but we run into code issues in Massachusetts with other things like, um, you know, the, the insulated value of windows, for example, or yeah. the flush capacity of toilets, these kinds of things. Mm. Uh, so you generally find it, you find the uses perhaps one step below what they originally were used for. So you'll find a you know, a nice picture window become a window of a greenhouse, for example, or right. a thing go from a, from a home to a shed or an outbuilding. But it still displaces material that would have to be manufactured for that purpose. And it still gives the homeowner a price break. We generally tend to sell our stuff at 25 to 50% of new. With the 50% numbers generally in the lumber the lumber department mm -hmm. and the 25% more in say appliances, cabinets, fixtures, that sort of thing. So, okay. So a house built in the seventies, let's say might be, might be, or a house built in the nineties or built in the like 2012, that would be better than a house built in 1920. Maybe that's been vinyl over clapper or something. 
It is so specific to a project. It really yeah. is. Um, yeah. I mean, because they might when, already have stamped lumber and they might have newer windows and that sort of thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, the house we did in Concord had been remodeled three years prior. Are you kidding? No. I'm sorry. Sorry. That was very judgmental all, of me. <laughs> all, the, all the flooring we pulled was stamped 2017. We pulled oh. two. Uh, we pulled two condensing uh, heat AC units out of there. They were installed in 2018. Uh, but as for some of the older buildings have um, have lumber that just is not replicable these days, you know, quarter sawn lumber or hardwood species or chestnut or even true dimensional lumber is, is sought after and it has a higher value. So if somebody were specifically going to look for something like, like that, like the quarter sawn lumber, I guess there's also a website where they could find these reuse centers across the country as well. Yeah, um, some of the people that are members of the uh, trade associations specifically um, focus on reclaimed lumber. And so they tend to keep an inventory that's a little bit more specialized than you'd find in a regular lumber. So they're, mm. they're finding southern heart pine or chestnut or, you know, barn board from the late 1800s. It's a, there's a lot of specialties in the field of reuse. And um, I recently looked at a coal shed for somebody in Vermont. And the homeowner said there's rumor that there's somebody over New Hampshire who actually remills old coal sheds because the patina that the coal gives the lumber is what they specialize in. Mm, that, that is if, really specializing. If you if you can imagine, just like you know, barn silo staves are usually very high quality lumber, um, but they're hard to mill because they've got a radius to them. Mm. So every every type of reused material has its specialty. Hmm. reuse a specialty reuse uh, market, so to speak. And and everything is reusable at a price. True. It's just money. <laughs> and time. Money, money and time. And well, time is money too. So if a person, if a homeowner were interested in exploring this, I guess the place to start would be finding a contractor who is open to the idea and who has heard about it. So as I've said, I haven't personally had success in convincing contractors to consider it so i guess i should try harder i don't do you have any advice for me as to what i could do <laughs> what i could do there how to bring a contractor on board yeah. uh, in vermont we work with a number of contractors who just use us almost exclusively as their demolition uh, a lot of times they're working on higher end homes and they have found that Selling the concept of deconstruction fits in their general company ethos. Yeah. They're working towards, you know, buildings that have a tight envelope. They're looking at alternative energy. Um, they pride themselves on not having dumpster after dumpster come and leave the site. And um, depending on, on who is practicing deconstruction, it can be a very clean and very elegant way to take a house down, but it does also have to do with schedule. Mm. Yeah, I know, but it's not a hundred percent schedule. I feel like, and so, how do I find those contractors? Mm. Like, I, how, how, I mean, I could go to their websites and kind of guess whether they'd be the type who would be into it, or is there an easier way? Um, I'm afraid not. I would have to imagine that there's a fair bit of photo documentation online mm. of construction and process um, that's a good point whereby you can get a time lapse of a house and how it comes apart in the deconstruction module you know yeah. method and mm -hmm. uh, 
but certainly a homeowner who is compassionate about it ha- has perhaps more say in the equation than might be expected. And you can always take the approach that we're going to we're going to tell the homeowner that if they want to pursue deconstruction, that they they go at it themselves, that they deliver the site in condition for rebuild to the general contractor and just take it off the GC's plate. Mm. Because larger GCs typically have a foreman on site for the duration of the scope of work. And I'll tell you that those site folks get awfully tired when in one week only a small portion of the house disappears. <laughs> They're like, where's the yellow machine? <laughs> when you're yeah. when you're working with when you're working with a homeowner and their expectations are clear, then you're still making progress. That's true. That's true. That's a good idea because they could they could hire somebody themselves to do that part. Abs- absolutely. Yeah. You know, those on, on Instagram or something when I'm scrolling through and there's a video of demolition where they're just clawing a building down. I feel like there should be a little, little uh, you know, they have those sensitivity warnings on certain <laughs> videos. I just feel like all of a sudden I'm watching this thing get torn apart and I, I, I just, I find that disturbing. Well, we, we find oftentimes as well for folks who have lived in a home for some time and now they're making it more manageable for themselves, whether it's a you know two-story to one-story or, or such, that there's a lot of history in a home and a lot of um, love and care in it. And I, I warn people, I say, if you're going to have somebody demolish your home, you better be there the first day because it's going to go so quickly that you're not going to know what happened. It's yeah. kind of you ask someone to clear a building site for you and there was a beautiful forest there and now there's a pile of mud. It's the process of, of deconstructing is much more grace, graceful and, and respectful of the, of the embodied energy and the home and everything that was there. And the homeowner can say, well, we would like this and we would like that. And, oh, you found an old bottle up in the attic. I remember <laughs> when I was young, having a nip of something up there. Yeah. But it is kind of honoring the house. And that's one thing I, I do like about it. It's just kind of removing it. It'll get a second life somewhere. Oh, yeah. It's a more beautiful end. Yeah. It's an honoring of the building and what it's been yeah. and, what it, and what it can become again. Um, but as an industry, we need to attract more people to do this kind of work. Mm-hmm. And um, there's also been some attention paid recently to the whole charitable donation process because there are people out there who will claim a greater value for your building than the IRS will accept. And that's somewhat tarnished that whole charitable donation approach. You need to make sure that you find an appraisal firm that is following the IRS rules mm-hmm. so that you get you get a, a charitable donation that's defensible in front of the IRS and doesn't get scrutinized. Mm-hmm. And, and just as there was flagrant abuse 20 years ago to the car donation, the whole car donation thing, um, that has been happening in our industry and, of course, gives everybody a black eye. Yeah. So get a reputable appraiser. Yeah. Recently, there was a couple of decisions handed down by the IRS that really clearly spelled out what they're looking for. And in the past, some folks were hanging a shingle as deconstruction appraisal firms, and they were basically using new construction software estimating mm. to say, oh, your, your deconstruction value your charitable donation value is going to be $125 a square foot. Yeah. And uh, that's not defensible. <laughs> and the other thing is to hire, to be clear on uh, 
the deconstruction firm that you're hiring what's going to be saved and um, and make sure they're taking the care and effort to uh, to save that because um, there's more than one way to take apart a house and it really is labor intensive to take it apart with an eye to reuse. Mm. So you were mentioning earlier some more modern buildings with the advent of adhesives, um, some some systems are harder to take apart than others, newer systems. Um, we don't generally touch single wide and double wide homes, for example, because they use so much adhesive in them. And then there also is the issue, um, it's a state and federal rule but homes need to be surveyed for asbestos before they're taken apart no matter how you choose to take it apart right i know in massachusetts they're much better in the permitting process about looking for that documentation it's a little bit more wild west in new hampshire and vermont <laughs> yeah but it is as a, as a deconstructionist with my hands on every piece of a building i want to make sure that i'm not setting myself or my employees up for a hazardous work conditions so right. we do we do require an asbestos survey which is simply following the law but you will find some contractors um, when they're sitting in their yellow machine distant from the work less concerned about that and That's we have true. we have seen some projects get paused and stopped because popcorn ceiling turned out to be you know, present with vermiculite in it, or there was vermiculite in the walls, or yeah, yeah, variety, I've seen that too. A variety of different hazards, including things like oil spills and whatnot, and so forth. Mm. It is important that the homeowner do diligence in those in the hazardous, the hazardous arena. Yep, that is it. Is it's everywhere. What about lead? Is that an issue that they you need to watch out for? So the EP. The EPA has their renovate repair program, which is pretty specific about occupied dwellings whenever you disturb more than six square feet of lead-based paint and it requires sampling and so on and so forth. But the presumption is that if you're working on a home that is occupied, you're going to be creating a risk for not only the practitioners, but the occupants. When you are taking a house down in its entirety, the risk is only to the professionals because there is going to be no house to re-inhabit. Well, yeah. So there are no rules for residential deconstruction in terms of lead. It does come into play if you're working on a state or federal project where they're going to be going back in again with a new occupancy or multifamily occupancy or, or children, that sort of thing. But a single family home with lead paint, the waste stream, there's no difference to how the waste stream is handled. And the standard OSHA personal protective equipment requirements are in effect. Um, depending on how an excavator takes down a house in proximity to neighbors, the deconstruction approach is actually potentially much safer to the surrounding neighborhood because less materials are being abraded and crushed mm. and those, uh, those potentially harmful paint and dust and such is, is kept to a minimum. That's very true. Good point. I hadn't thought of that. I guess I would say in far, as far as deconstruction goes, while it has been practiced by the Amish and, you know, from the 18th century, people were repurposing barns. It is, it is an old world trade. It does have current world application and prepare to be an educator of those you're working with. Um, there is still no easy foolproof way to get your house deconstructed. I feel like we've gotten to that point with solar now. But we started that solar battle in 1980s. Mm, yeah. 
Maybe this one will go a little faster. You know, now, now it's a no-brainer to put solar on your home. The incentives are clear. There's a number of recognized and reputable contractors to do the work. And um, it doesn't add much to the schedule. And it does potentially add to the value. And not to mention it's moving us in the right direction with the whole greenhouse and, mm. and global warming thing. Yeah. Um, there are a whole bunch of, of uh, academics that... Um, that approach the whole deconstruction thing, they can probably sing the praises of it from a, uh, a global benefit. But the bottom line is you've got to find a reputable contractor who uh, to do the deconstruction work, a general contractor who's willing to trust the sub to do what they say they're going to do when they're going to do it and uh, the market for the materials, whether it's in the new build or through a charity or being sold by your contractor. Thanks to Eric for sharing his expertise with us. I'm hoping that I'll make this a mini-series, kind of, and uh, I think it's such an important topic for all of us to understand and investigate, so look for a couple more episodes on this in the future. And thanks for listening to this episode. I'd be interested to know what you think of the topic of deconstruction. Would you consider this for your project? Let me know by sending me an email to thehousemaven at talkinghomerenovations.com or you can get in touch with me on Facebook and Instagram where I am Talking Home Renovations or on TikTok where I am The House Maven. On Twitter, I'm Talking Home Reno. Also, you can let me know if you have an episode and idea or if you'd like to share your project with me, some photos. I've been getting videos and photos from people and I love seeing them. And if you like the show, you could leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts, and tell your friends too. I really appreciate your support. So you can look for photos, more information, and the episode enhancements for this episode and previous episodes that are on my website, www.talkinghomerenovations.com. You can also sign up for my newsletter, which means you will get these episode enhancements in your inbox every Wednesday morning at 6 a.m., So you don't even have to think about it. There it is. All that information just waiting for you when you get up on Wednesdays. So the link to that is in the show notes if you would like to sign up for that. And if you're looking for guidance or support with your home renovation, I have classes and a mastermind coming up. Also a design helpline. You can find all of this information on my architectural practice website, which I am going to link to in the show notes. And speaking of my architectural firm, this podcast is a production of Demios Architects where we believe that architects are for everyone. Until next week, take care.